Another tragic weekend in the U.S. At least 31 people were killed over the weekend in a pair of mass shootings. A makeshift memorial of flowers and candles continues to grow here outside the nightclub in Dayton, Ohio, where nine people were massacred early Sunday morning. For the residents of El Paso, this is not simply just another mass shooting. This is a deeply personal attack on a city that sits right on the border with Mexico, on a city where 80% of the residents are Hispanic. All right, that's Global's Jackson Proskow, along with uh, Jeff Semple uh, reporting uh, over the weekend. As you heard there, nine people are killed in Dayton, Ohio, 22 in El Paso, Texas. And joining us uh, now for more on this is author, broadcaster, and commentator Michael Korn. He joins us here in Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Michael, good afternoon. Appreciate the time as always. Pleasure. Well, sort of a pleasure. What about a terrible subject? Uh, without a doubt, but it's one that we keep returning to again and again, yep. particularly yep. Uh, south of the uh, border, uh, Michael, and it's got a lot of people uh, just asking why and what possibly can be done about it. We're seeing a lot of passionate and heated rhetoric uh, directed uh, towards government officials and uh, leaders who are uh, speaking to gatherings in uh, both of these uh, cities, asking them to do something. What, if anything, do you think our leaders can do? It's very, very difficult. Uh, it's not video games, and it's not removing the laws per in school. These are irrelevant. Gun control is obviously the most important part of this, but I don't think it's the only part. Um, you know, there are countries in, in Europe and the Middle East where guns are readily available, and in Switzerland, for example, and other places where I mean, a citizen militia, there, there are guns in the home. There is a culture of the gun. There's a culture of aggression, glorification of violence in a way in the United States. You combine that with easy uh, gun availability and a president who has has added a a racial aspect to this. I mean, gun massacres have always occurred. It's not good enough to say just blame Trump. They occurred under Democrat presidents as well. But now we have something else, the idea of the invader and the foreigner who has to be dealt with. Uh, America needs a profound cultural shift. It, would, it, it has to deal with the gun lobby. It has to stop the availability of guns, but it has to do more than that. But I, mean, I think it has to change its health care policy. Um, people who, with mental health issues have to be, have to be helped. Um, I think you have to stop the polarization. This is enormous. It, it's like turning around a huge battleship. And the idea that this can be done overnight or by one or two policies, no, this will take a generation, I think. Well, you bring up several very good points uh, there, Michael. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are wondering, uh, okay, you can uh, have better background checks, you can bring in uh, gun legislation, but there are so many guns out there in the U.S. right now. Can that really make a difference? Will it change things? And and I think uh, you're right when you talk about the the culture of the gun, particularly in the U.S., what it represents and what it means. And is is it possible to to turn around people's thinking on that? I don't know if it is. You know, Canada, I spent the first half of my life in the U.K., the second half in Canada. Um, And and Britain and Canada are actually very similar in many ways. Uh, The cops generally don't carry guns in Britain. They do here. But if you speak to most police officers in Canada... They've never withdrawn their their sidearm in their career. Uh, Some do, but generally they don't. Uh, It's simply not an issue. Now, we do have gun crime in in, in Toronto, but it's of a different nature. It's uh, gang-related. It's repugnant, but there is, if you like, a a strange evil purpose to it. There is no purpose to these massacres in in the U.S. So there's something more intrinsic going on. And to change the culture... Look at the way the American police behave. Look at the, how quick they are to withdraw, to, 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 to get their guns out of the holsters, how quickly they will actually discharge weapons. This, again, is incredibly rare in the world. And it's not just different from Canada. 
This doesn't happen in Europe. This doesn't happen in countries that actually are very dangerous. So the, the, the cult of the gun, and I remember many years ago, no, no, not that many years ago, actually, I was in, um, I was in Florida and I was giving a speech and I was having the dinner beforehand and there was a, a guy that was telling me a story and he said, we had this little old lady, he said, uh, very close to where we live, somebody broke in and, and uh, she, she was shot him dead. And the police arrived and they said, ma'am, it's fine, you, know, you have the right to defend your property, but I have to ask you, why did you shoot him seven times? And she said, I ran out of bullets. And, I mean, we want to laugh at this, but this is the way people think. If they're not armed, if they're not willing to kill, then somehow they're not fulfilling their duties as a citizen. So how do, we, how do they change that in the States? Um, it needs to be multifaceted. It needs to be legislation. It needs to be culture. It needs to be the entertainment industry. Yeah, can I stop you right there just for a quick second, Michael? You mentioned the entertainment industry, and I'm looking at an article from Vanity Fair that is asking, when will we get a post-gun action movie? Uh, the number one movie in the States this weekend was Hobbs and Shaw with uh, yep. The Rock and Jason Statham, where there's uh, you know quite a bit of uh, you know gun violence, gun play, and they're asking aloud after the shootings this weekend in El Paso and uh, Dayton. Uh, this is getting uh, you know harder and harder to overlook. Well, it is, and uh, Logan Land does sound like someone who is a you know, conservative social media person here, but um, hypocrisy in Hollywood, because there are lots of people in Hollywood um, who have a, a standard liberal response to this, but what are you doing about it? Because the, the, this casual use of, of, of guns glorifying those, and they'll say, no, it's just real life. No, it isn't. What Hollywood shows is far worse than reality. Uh, anyone who is, I mean, I, I covered a war in 2006, I, I covered a war in the Middle East, if you see what guns do, how horrific, how grotesque it is, you wouldn't take this so lightly. But, of course, Hollywood makes it all not glamorous, but almost painless. It's antiseptic. It's not real. And that's acceptable sometimes, but when there's movie after movie made about it. So there are so many contributing factors. And I'm, I'm throwing all this out there. My conclusion, and I have to say, is I'm not at all optimistic. I really don't think this is going to change. Uh, what worries me slightly is there are some people in Canada who almost want to replicate the American attitude towards guns, which we must never do. I think we've got it about right here, the right degree of gun control. But if you can, if you can take on the gun lobby, Obama tried and he failed. Clinton tried and he failed. Um, if you can look at public medicine, all of these issues and the racial divide, um, but until the last person who can even think of doing this is Donald Trump. All right, well, you mentioned Barack Obama a second ago, and he sounded off about uh, the two mass shootings uh, on the weekend on uh, social media with a uh, lengthy post. It's very rare that a former president uh, will uh, speak out, uh, particularly in that manner. Uh, another headline that I uh, saw earlier today, uh, Michael, I wanted your take on was, uh, does Barack Obama still think he's president? Uh, was he wrong, do you think, to, to speak out here? It's a very difficult one because there, there are lots of unprecedented situations. Um, Historically, at least in living history, uh, American transition from president to president has been relatively good-natured, and there's a certain solidarity. That's all broken now. Donald Trump is insulting about all people who sat in, 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 in the Oval Office before him. And so I think Obama probably, and he didn't say anything like this about other people, of course, nor did Bush about him. But I think at this point, he, he feels he has to, that he can't not say anything. But it is unprecedented, and not just in the United States. People don't criticize a, a former incumbent. Um, is he still think he's president? No, but he still thinks, and he's right in this, that he has a, a, a very strong moral position. 
and something to say about what is going on. And a lot of people are looking to him, also because the Democrats are in crisis and chaos. Uh, it may well be that they will nominate uh, Joe Biden, who I don't think will beat Trump. And, and so someone on the relative left is, has to step forward. But what, what has to be said about Obama, his intentions were wonderful, but his achievements were minimal. He didn't change very much about American society. How could he in eight years? Um, but he can't step forward and say, look, I was on the right path. Actually, he won't. Well, he, uh, President Trump has uh, responded to uh, former President Obama's uh, tweet uh, earlier today. He uh, actually was quoting, uh, well, go figure, people from Fox News and said, uh, did George Bush ever condemn uh, President Obama after Sandy Hook? President Obama had 32 mass shootings during his reign. Not many people said Obama is out of control. Mass shootings were happening before the president even thought about running for president. Uh, so I'm just wondering, with this uh, back and forth between two former presidents, is this kind of symbolic of uh, what's happening in the in the U.S. that nobody can, you know, get together, get on the same page, and how can they possibly uh, solve this problem? I think it is symbolic. I think there's a polarization that we haven't seen since probably the Civil War. I'm not saying that there's going to be anything like the Civil War. But the country is more divided, and there was consensus in the United States right up until you think of, of, of Eisenhower, for example, and, and so most of the presidents. I mean, even under Nixon, it wasn't as divided, anything like as it, it, it is now. Um, but what, the difference, I mean, these shootings, no president can say, I have clean hands. The difference, though, I would, I, I would say, is that the racial aspect, with the El Paso, with what, with what happened when Mexicans were targeted, when a man traveled a very long way to kill people who had been referred to as invaders by Trump during a speech. I mean, there's a, you can see the video of Trump making a speech, and, and well, what do we do with these people? And someone says, shoot them. And he doesn't say, terrible, don't dare, and he, he laughs. He laughs at it. So... I'm not saying he's personally responsible, but I do think he's enabled and empowered people who have these repugnant views. So some of it, yes, some of this and, and the violence out there and, and the anger, I would attribute to him. Um, but this, this is, it's so innovating. It doesn't help anyone for, for people to keep going back and forth on social media. It, it just reinforces the two groups. And I fear that once the, the election is really going, we're going to see some pretty awful and angry and hateful stuff. All right. In the meantime, uh, back here at home in Toronto, there were 17 people uh, shot in the city uh, over the weekend. Here is uh, Mike McCormick, head of the uh, police union, talking to Global News Radio uh, about that. This was something that the chief referred to as a blip. Four years later, what we've seen is a 154% increase in shooting victims. A 154% increase in uh, shooting victims over the last uh, roughly uh, five years, uh, Michael. Uh, do we need uh, not to be so maybe, uh, I think Canadians sometimes are overly smug when it comes to gun violence at home. Is this a growing problem uh, here? I think it's a very different dynamic. I think what you're seeing here is uh, generally gang-related and crime-related, not sociopathic. Uh, the numbers, look, one is appalling, but those statistics are dreadful, but when you put them in context, the numbers are still relatively small. Now, Toronto was a very, very safe city for the longest time, and it still is. Uh, but these things are happening. And look, there are two areas we can fall into, I believe. One is to say, it, it's not a problem. It is a problem. But the other is to be hysterical and say, look, we're just as bad as they are. No, America stands alone in the world in terms of, of completely senseless, pointless mass shootings. We don't have that. We have a crime problem. And a crime problem has to be dealt with. What they have in the United States is something beyond crime. It, it, it's a cultural spasm of hatred. 
All right, but do we have to be uh, really careful? Is it a slippery slope? Because uh, not only did we have these 17 uh, shootings here in uh, this city, uh, just a couple hours down the highway in London, Ontario, and this I don't think has been widely reported, Michael, but uh, a man was actually shot in the face, in the face after a road rage incident. Uh, apparently he was a pedestrian, he got cut off uh, by a vehicle and uh, flipped the driver the bird, and he reportedly allegedly came back around and uh, shot this man again in the face. Yeah, I, I read about that, and that is, in a way, more disturbing than what happened in Toronto, because road rage, I, mean, I can remember American friends saying, you know, we're careful about road rage here, because you can give someone the finger, and that guy's got a gun in the car. That doesn't happen in Canada. Well, apparently, it, this is very unusual. I mean, as you know, if, if we don't know what it was, I mean, I don't think they know what it was shot with yet, but um, carrying, a, a, very few people have a license to carry. It's incredibly rare. Um, so if this person was a, was a criminal, a gangster, what we will find out. But it's, that, it, it's when violence, it's one thing that to, to two people to shout at each other. Um, it's worse if they punch each other. But it's when it goes to deadly force so very quickly. The escalation is so quick and, and, and so profound. That's when it is deeply troubling. There's no sense to this. And I'm hoping that is just an incredibly exceptional circumstance. We'll find out more. But yes, it's, it's, it's deeply worrying. Yeah, and we're all uh, worried and uh, hoping the uh, same thing, that this is just uh, something that uh, does not become the uh, norm. Author and broadcaster uh, Michael Korn with us this afternoon. Michael, really appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much, as always, for the time. Always a pleasure. Thank you.